Good morning. I'm Pastor Lori Beth, and we are so glad you are indeed worshiping with us this morning. And we are continuing this sermon series on reimagining church and learning lessons from the early church. And by now you might be wondering, what in the world is left for us to continue to explore? We've looked at so many different angles over the past uh, couple of months, actually, um, almost now, and looking at what we can learn from the early church and how we might be and do church today during these seismic changes that we're going through. So what could possibly be left? Well, today we're going to look at a very important part of being the early church. It was giving. They had a very different approach in those first two centuries than we have today. So what I want to do is look behind the premise of giving at the, and look at their actual practice and what role it played in shaping their community. So our title today is All Things Held in Common. And as we prepare to look backwards at what that meant in those first couple of centuries, I keep wondering, well, what does holding all things in common look like today? And maybe it's something like this. So at Anchor Baptist Church, the pastor and some of the leaders were trying to figure out how Uh, to truly engage and express their commitment to a particular family. It was a a small church, but there was a family where, and this may sound familiar, where one of the the persons of the couple, the instance, this wife, Pat, was very regular and active in church, but her husband, John, never came. He very disengaged and didn't really have much to do with the church. And so they were praying, the leaders were praying over how might we be able to witness our love and commitment to this family. Well, their opportunity came. Unfortunately, uh, Pat, the wife, shared with the pastor that John had received a recent medical diagnosis and he was diagnosed with prostate cancer. The good news is that they were going to be able to treat him with surgery and his prognosis looked great. But the bad news was he would not be able to work for a couple of months as he was healing. And he was a truck driver um, that hauled um, uh, logs. And so it was a rough ride and there was just no way he would be able to ride in his truck over um, many, many hours during the day, uh, during that, that time of recovery. And so Pat was distraught about what would happen. Well, the pastor gathered the leaders together to pray, okay, what can we do in this situation and to, to make some decisions. And the leader, like the lay leader of the church said, okay, and he was a truck driver himself. So he had a great deal of empathy knowing that, um, John was paid by the mile. So if he was not able to drive, he was not going to receive a, that family wouldn't receive a paycheck during that time of recovery. And so as the leaders gathered together to figure out how they could pitch in and help, that lay leader said, okay, how much can everyone give? And some pledged $50 a month, some pledged $100 a month. One family said, we will take care of the groceries each week. Another family said, we'll do the utilities no matter what those costs. We'll cover them during this time of recovery. And so 
before long, they had everything covered. Beginning immediately, the church family circled this family. They paid the bills on time. Every week, there was a bag of groceries on the the porch. Uh, the some of the church members came and took care of the lawn during this time of a recovery. Anything that they needed, um, it, all of those needs were cared for and were addressed. Well. You can imagine that since that recovery time ended, um, John has a real testimony about this church and how they surrounded his family with care. And that he now is part of that church family, that he comes, that he's engaged, that he has uh, indeed uh, uh, joined and become a a church family member himself. And his testimony is that This church's tireless care for his family in this incredible time of need showed him that they didn't just want another warm body in the seats or another person to to donate money for the offering plate. That instead they were committed to sharing their lives and their resources with him unconditionally. Yes, I imagine that all things held in common this day and time looks a little bit like that. So let's take a look at how the early church did it. I'm going to read you four different snippets of scripture that all give you a sense of what generosity and giving looks like in the early church. So I just invite you to listen to the picture that this begins to paint. The first couple of verses comes from Acts 2, verses 44 through 46. I'm adding a verse on. And this is actually familiar. This is almost like our theme verse for this series. We've used it several times before about how the early church, the, um, after Pentecost, the, the followers gathered. Um, but um, starting in verse 44, all the believers were united and shared everything. They would sell pieces of property and possessions and distribute the proceeds to everyone who needed them. Every day they met together in the temple and they ate in their homes and they shared food with gladness and simplicity. And then skip a few chapters to Acts 4 verses 32 through 35. The community of believers was one in heart and mind. None of them would say, this is mine, about any of their possessions, but held everything in common. The apostles continued to bear powerful witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and an abundance of grace was at work among them all. There was no needy persons among them. Those who owned properties or houses would sell them, bring the proceeds from the sales, and place them in the care and under the authority of the apostles. Then it was distributed to anyone who was in need. And now let's hear Paul's teaching around giving. Um, First, I'm going to start with 1 Corinthians 16, verses 1 and 2. And this is a uh, call from Paul to all of the Macedonian churches to, to... receive or make a collection that was going to then be taken to Jerusalem and uh, given to those in need in Jerusalem, kind of the, the mother city. And so here his call to the church in Corinth, the uh, chapter 16, verses 1 and 2. 
Concerning the collection of money for God's people, you should do what I have directed the church in Galatia to do. On the first day of the week, each of you should set aside whatever you can afford from what you earn so that the collection won't be delayed until I come. And then finally, a little bit later, after the church in Corinth has been sluggish to do this collection, Paul writes again in 2 Corinthians 8, verses 1 through 5. Brothers and sisters, we want to let you know about the grace of God that was given to the churches of Macedonia. While they were being tested by many problems, their extra amount of happiness and their extreme poverty resulted in a surplus of rich generosity. I assure you that they gave what they could afford and even more than they could afford. And they did it voluntarily. They urgently begged us for the privilege of sharing in this service for the saints They even exceeded our expectations because they gave themselves to the Lord first and to us consistent with God's will. This is the word of God for all God's people. Thanks be to God. In some ways, as I hear these scripture passages, I notice some things that are very different from what our practice is today and the mindset that we have around giving and generosity. But then in other ways, as I listen, I hear some things that sound very familiar to me. So overall, there are a couple of themes that repeated during these various readings, and I think by, if they have been repeated, then they're probably important for us to pay attention to. One of those themes is being of one heart and mind. Uh, that the early church really did have this sense of unity of purpose and community. There was mutual expectation around those that were um, part of that community. They, they, they held each other up to kind of the same standard of having this communal mindset that they were working for the good of all. And so um, there was just this sense of being unified in heart and mind as they uh, formed and created and grew as a church family, as a community of believers. The second theme I noticed was proportional giving. This has been um, a biblical teaching from even way before the New Testament, but it was made pretty clear here that folks gave as they, they, um, from what they had to give from, from what they could afford. And, and in some cases, someone even gave more than they could afford, more than was expected. But that baseline is that there was no set amount that all of the people from those churches in Macedonia and Galatia would give. They were invited to participate and people responded as they were able. It was also voluntary, and Paul particularly makes this a really important point, that this giving should be a response. This giving should be, should, 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 should flow forth from our desire to participate, to be part of God's kingdom work. And uh, by the way, those churches in Macedonia that he was talking about that gave so um, generously 
We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Uh, the churches were at Philippi, a church in Thessalonia, uh, Thessalon- Thessalonica, and then Berea. And so we know the letters to Philippians and Thessalonians um, were those these very churches that Paul was connected to. And they were in Roman cities, so the Christian um, formation was very annoying. And so they were being mildly persecuted. They were being harassed. That It was not easy to be a Christian in these Roman cities. And yet they wanted to participate in this offering as well and volunteered to, to take up their own collection. And then finally, one of the repeated themes is that the ultimate purpose, what they were responding to was not only God's love for them, but this need that was identified. They wanted to help those in need. And, and so the early church did that with money, but they also did it with food. And so on the, the altar table, we've got baskets of food as a reminder to us that a lot of times when the early Christians worshiped, particularly in the second century, um, in the second century, when they would gather to worship, they would bring a collection. And a lot of times it would be food that they would then disperse to those in their community that they knew were in need, that needed help, that needed a meal, that were down on their luck. And so they would would bring money for other needs, but but also um, collections of food and would be part of their worship, um, part of their offering to God. Now, there are also some unique lessons for us to pay attention to. And one of those is we noticed that there was such a communal sense of sharing the resources. And this is complicated because when we just read the words from Acts, it sounds like um, they literally were becoming a a commune, a communal society where they dumped all of their resources into a common pot. But that was not exactly what happened. This is a little bit of hyperbole on behalf of Luke in describing the early church because um, we know that they they continued to function and worship in people's homes and uh, it wasn't they, they weren't putting all of their resources in. What they were doing is when there were needs, then they were using all of their resources to meet their needs. And if someone did sell a house, um, so to speak, then they would share part of those proceeds with the communal um, church family. And so there was a sense of, of really sharing their resources to make sure that um, they could care for all of the needs that were, were popping up in their community. Um, and, and so uh, they, it was this sense of doing whatever it took to be able to provide and care for one another. Um, it was such a sign of friendship and spiritual maturity that they had this mindset of a community of goods in which they could could use to care for one another. And it was as if they looked at one another, another as soulmates, this, this deep connection that sharing their resources and caring for one another in tangible ways and not just in, in and through prayer, it deeply connected that transcended the sense of my physical property, your physical property, our material stuff. It just took on a, a different sense of value and meaning of not only of the material items, but of the relationships they had within those communities that were forming. 
And to think of what we own as common property now, even as I'm describing that, we're like, this is completely foreign to how our mind, how our culture, how our instincts even work today. It sounds like a commune kind of um, value set, and that has a very negative uh, implication to us and, and, and is not sustainable. It's not an economic uh, uh, a system that is sustainable. We also wrestle with this mindset today of looking out for self first, that, that we've got to preserve and care for ourselves and make sure our needs are met, not only for today, but in the, the long time future to come. We're fiercely independent. And, and sometimes many of us don't want the help of the community. Like we have a hard time receiving, even asking for assistance of, of any kind. And so this self-emptying seems foreign to us if we're being honest. And I just wonder, what would it look like if we surrendered our control and trusted God to use some of these resources that we have power over for God's greater purposes? What would it feel like? What would it look like if we could be a bit more self-emptying with these gifts that God has already given to us? I think another unique lesson that we can glean from this, these scriptures is, is, maybe even the answer to the question that I just asked. It is this opportunity to be an agent of grace. Paul particularly framed generosity from the Christian perspective as an opportunity to be an agent of grace on behalf of Jesus Christ. That when we, we first of all have to recognize that um, all that God has done in our lives and to be thankful for that, all that God has given us, all that God has entrusted to us, and to just be thankful for whatever, for whatever that is. And then to be able to see how we might be able to channel what has been done for us, what has been given to us, to others. How can we be that vessel? How can we be that channel of grace? That Grace now comes through or comes into the world, finding expression through people, through you and through me in all kinds of ways, but particularly through generous giving. Um, Giving is a very tangible instrument of grace in the lives of others. Think about the impact of Anchor Baptist Church on John and Pat's life. He experienced a tangible grace at the hands of that church through both service and financial resources. A third unique lesson is that giving isn't always done out of abundance. It is a, an, an incorrect, a false mindset if we think that only the rich people are called to give. Yes, people who are well-resourced have much more to be responsible for, and they have much more responsibility for how they use those gifts and how they share and care for one another through those resources. 
But we know, if we've read scripture, we know some of the most generous people in the Bible had very little to give, in fact. But their hearts were, were moved and their, their willingness to share out of what they had was powerful. And Paul makes a point that part of this, this giving, maybe even particularly from those of us that are not wealthy with deep pockets, comes from a discipline in which we, Paul encouraged them uh, and us to set aside a little each week. That that can be a much easier way to be generous than trying to, to do a lump sum at one time. When that may scare us, because again, we go back to that sense of, I've got to take care of myself and those that are dependent on me, not only for today, but for a long time in the future. But, but, but as Paul said, if we set aside a little bit each week out of what we have to give, then let that be our offering to God. And then finally, biblical giving comes from a place of building up the community uh, and a desire to help those in need. That over and over and over, that's why we as Christians are called to give. To build up the community, to strengthen the community so it can be a powerful witness and presence in the world. And to help those that are in need. And giving to the church, we can see as a place where we can accomplish both of those things simultaneously. So I began to look around this week for examples of giving that reminded me of this early church mindset of generosity, of sharing with others so that, so that no one was in need. And this building up of the community in this process of sharing and giving. And I found two interesting examples that actually grew out of the pandi- our pandemic circumstances. And maybe you heard of these. But you remember back in the early days of this pandemic, what, was, what, what could we not find any of in those first couple of weeks? It was toilet tissue. That's what we all did a run on. And people began to hoard the toilet tissue. And it was really stressful because there were folks who would go from store to store to store to store and couldn't find any. Well, after reading about these stories of people hoarding the uh, necessity like toilet tissue, a physical, a 33-year-old physical therapist in San Diego got an idea. He simply took to the streets with a cardboard sign that said, share your toilet paper. And he, he stood at a, a busy st- a street. His name was Johnny Blue. He stood at a busy street. And uh, before you know it, it took a little while, but before you know it, when people knew where he was going to be, he was at the same place um, every day. Folks began to drop some toilet tissue by and folks began to swing by when they were desperate to see if he had any to give. And his mindset was, it just inspired me to remind people that, listen, if you have a lot of something, that probably means there are people who probably don't have very much of it because you took it all. So sharing is probably a good thing to keep in mind. Um, And he said that the response was really enthusiastic and that there was, it was such a blessing when the person would come by so desperate and say, hey, do you have any to share when, when someone would have come by just previously and handed him a couple of rolls and he would just give them. He was like a, a bank of toilet tissue. <clears throat> I think people want a sense of community, Blue said. 
When things are really challenging, people are looking to band together and be unified. It feels like I kind of struck on a common theme where people were thinking, why are people hoarding toilet paper? It's a simple thing, but it's something that's really tangible and really affects people's lives. And when people saw my sign, it really resonated with them. In times of crisis, when others are tempted to hoard, God's people have an opportunity to build community by sharing basic needs with those around them. This reminds me of what being the church can really look like. Maybe the basic need is not caused by uh, a a hoarding uh, event, but maybe it's from a lack of resources, like this story. Pina Andalora and Angelo Picconi are street musicians and activists accustomed to engaging the passerbyers of Spacanapoli, the historic street that runs through the middle of Naples in Italy. Um, when the coronavirus hit Italy, and it hit Italy bad early on, it left people like them without a means to contribute to the vibrancy of their city because everybody was in isolation, or so, or so they thought until another opportunity unveiled itself. When Pina and Angelo realized that the lockdown also prevented local soup kitchens from serving the homeless in their community, they remembered an old tradition in Naples and they resurrected it for the purpose of meeting this immediate need. So they called them solidarity baskets, kind of like the baskets that are on the altar table. They began to prepare meals from their home to give to those in need. But instead of standing in the streets, they used this alternative delivery method. Because they were on, like the, the video looked like it was on the third floor. And they would lower with rope these baskets of food to their homeless neighbors, the community that came needing a food, needing food. And then they would um, hoist it back up. Well, then they began to, to grow the idea because there were people that wanted to participate in this ministry that they started. So they would leave the baskets down, lowered, and they put a sign on there um, that said, um, those who can put something in. Those who can't, help yourself. And before long, neighbors, when they would go grocery shopping, would put some groceries in the baskets and would help contribute to uh, Pina and Angelo's ministry of preparing these meals. But the baskets helped to spur a reawakening of generosity in that city. Not only did citizens contribute food to the baskets, but uh, their reach ended up going beyond Naples. They were contacted by a cheese artisan who wanted to ship some of his Parmesan to uh, the couple so they could include it in their food preparation and their food baskets. And the hope was from Angelo that this wave of generosity would continue because the need would not go away soon. He said, this crisis will be long and artists like us have to pay rent and bills and many people depend on our assistance. What a beautiful, beautiful example of the community sharing out of their means, out of their abundance in order to be agents of grace so that no one was in need in their community. So let me sum this up for us today. The message here is not new. It's not. You've heard this before. 
but it's one that I think because of our human nature needs to be repeated. We need to be reminded In times of crisis, when we are facing an unsure future, our human nature causes us to tend towards hoarding, to operate out of scarcity, to pull back our resources in order to take care of ourselves and those who are dependent on us. And we all have a tendency to respond in this way. And the truth is, if everyone did or does respond in that way, then we might need to respond in that way in kind because there's nothing being shared. It's everyone for themselves. But if you want to be an agent of grace, if you want to respond biblically, if you want to live fully into the vision for the church that Jesus had for this amazing thing that he set in motion and that Paul and the apostles nurtured and nurtured, then you and I will operate out of a place of abundance. We will trust God's economy where we share more of our resources with those that are in need Now more than ever, we have a chance to be a generous community that steps up to the call of those in need, that meets our our mission obligations through both faith promise and ensures that Boone UMC can fulfill the many, many needs that our church has indeed stepped up to faithfully, historically to meet. That we can share with one another in a way that no one has an unmet need. Let's never lose sight of that vision, that hope for the future, for the present. That we are of one heart and mind being an agent of grace to others because Christ showed grace to us. So will you join me in reflecting today how you can be that agent of grace for trucker John and Pat? for the desperate shopper in San Diego or here in Boone, for the hungry person in Naples or at our hospitality house in Boone. Will you think how you can be that agent of grace this week through generosity and community sharing? Because I bet you would agree with me that right now, more than ever, This world needs to experience lots and lots and lots of agents of grace. Amen. Amen.